There are so many brutal aspects to crucifixion that we could think about this morning. And it wasn't just a form of execution. It was a form of torture that was designed to instill fear into the population under Roman rule. Crucifixion happened publicly, often along a main road, so that people passed by and were warned by what they see. The crosses weren't high as often we see in pictures. They were low so that actually you could literally spit in the face of the people being crucified. They died through suffocation. It was a long, slow, painful death. That's why we read on the day that Jesus was crucified, because it was Passover, the soldiers wanted it ended quickly, and they broke the legs of the people being crucified so that their death would come quicker. But when they got to Jesus, they saw he was already dead. So they just pierced him with a spear, to be certain. But I want to take you back to some of the hours, some of the things that happened before Jesus was crucified. After Pilate had tried him, he handed Jesus over to a company of soldiers to flog him and prepare him for crucifixion. A whole company of soldiers. Historians aren't sure whether that would have been 60 to 100 people under a centurion, or it could have actually been a whole cohort of 600 soldiers. They wanted to make sure that Jesus didn't escape, that no one rescued him, that the full force of the Roman guard there surrounded him and got him ready for crucifixion. The Passover was happening. The city of Jerusalem was absolutely jam-packed with people. They came to, to sacrifice, to celebrate the Passover. And it was at times like that that often things would kick off. Rebels would stir up trouble and revolt and protest would happen. So the Roman guards were on edge. The political tension was high and it centered around Jesus who was talking about a kingdom to come. Those soldiers, they would have been far from home. We see in the news what soldiers sometimes do. They were brutal They were meant to be peacekeepers. They would do whatever it took to keep Roman rule in place. Finally, they got the freedom to do whatever they wanted to this troublemaker. So you can imagine it would have been an ugly scene. I wonder who came up with the idea of the crown of thorns. I mean, whose hands, whose knife cut that branch? Whose hands modeled and made that crown of thorns? It must have been someone who knew that he was charged as king of the Jews. It must have been someone who knew that he was claiming to bring in a kingdom 
And so with irony, they want to mock that claim. We know when people get together and violence is there that they egg each other on. And there was jeering and laughing. And they forced that crown of thorns onto Jesus' head. He would have already been flogged in a brutal way. But this, this crown of thorns, that wasn't so much to really hurt him. It was to mock him. The pain of the crown of thorns, I mean, that wouldn't have been excruciating. It would be more like those horrible small pains. You know, when you stub your toe or the dentist drill, you know, misses, it would have gone through him. And then we read, they struck him on the head. They drove that crown of thorns down onto his head. Blood would have trickled down his forehead. Blood spilt for you and I. And the soldiers, they, they wanted to make a big thing of it. So they, they found a purple cloak and they put it round his shoulders as if he was a royal king. And they opened his hand and they forced him to hold a reed, a symbol, like a scepter or a staff of leadership and kingship. And if it had happened today, the phones would have been out clicking and capturing that moment of humiliation for Jesus. And the soldiers, jeering and mocking, they knelt down around him, around the King of Kings, who one day we will all kneel before. The man whose words has spoken out the creation of the universe was silent He didn't retaliate. He took those blows. The thousands of angels that could have rushed in to save him and terrify the soldiers were not called to his aid. Then he was taken and stripped and led away to be crucified. His body put on that cross. Pain would have seared through him. The weight of our sin he willingly took into his body. He would have struggled to breathe and even the heavens were darkened as he suffered. He gave up his life. It looked like he was defeated and alone, abandoned by everybody, including his father. Yet he cried out, it is finished. He willingly gave up his spirit. He gave his body to be broken, his blood to be spilt for our forgiveness. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed For our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Only hours before, he'd enacted that out. He'd been round a table with his friends and he'd taken bread. 
and he had broken it. And he's saying, that's what's going to happen to my body. And he took the wine and he said, this is going to be like the blood that is going to be spilt for you. And in those simple gestures and words, we remember Jesus and his death. And today, all around the world, people with different types of bread and different juice and different words and different wine will remember Jesus and all he has done for us. Bread and wine, symbols of life. Jesus himself said, I am the bread of life. Every culture has their own bread, don't they? Some of them are flat and small. Some of them are puffy and big. But there's always bread on the table, rich or poor. It's a symbol of what we need day by day. Wine wasn't a luxury. It was a drink that you took because it was safe when water wasn't, it wasn't clean. And Jesus took those symbols and made them sacred. He breathed his life into them. And later today, we're going to pass those symbols around and we're going to share in his life because of his death. You know, sometimes we pass the garlic bread around at home, don't we? Or we tear a naan bread up and we share it together with a curry And so we're used to sharing bread. Some of us are a little bit squeamish about sharing the cup. But in those days, they wouldn't have thought about germs. And actually, think about it. A momentary sip from the cup, wiped by a napkin. We're going to be fine. (laughs) But the symbolism is so powerful. We share the cup because we share in his life. Because we share in his death. We're one body here today, however different and varied we are, because we are forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. His act transformed history and has transformed many of our hearts today. So before we break bread together, let's listen again to what actually happened on that fateful day. And Charles is going to read to us from the scriptures. Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15, verses 15 to 39. Wanting to satisfy the crowd... Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is, the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. They began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff and spat on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. 
A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by held insults at him, shaking their heads, saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, Lemak Sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, And offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes down, comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion, who stood there in front of Jesus, saw how he died, he said, surely, surely this man was the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord.